Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Security and Secure, hosted by Johnny Seifert. This is the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. And if you have the same match there as me, then before we get into today's guest, please subscribe to Security and Secure while you're listening. And at the end of the episode, leave a five-star review and a couple of comments to say what you've learned about today's episode. But for now, let me tell you about my guest today. My guest today is an events manager turned influencer and YouTuber and now global Netflix star. Joining the fourth season of Too Hot to Handle, she represented the British girls and lasted up to episode eight of the show, which included having a kiss that cost £6,000. And for me, she was a standout star. She was the one who really understood what self-love meant and that inner respect for oneself. And to tell me more, I'm delighted to welcome to Sukadinska. It's Sophie Stonehouse. Hello, Sophie. Hello. Thank you for having me. That was a very nice intro, I must say. Well, I feel like, and obviously for those that don't know, Two Hot Handle was probably about a year ago, but I feel like this is the year, 2023. It's all about change for you. You know, the show has now come out, you've moved to Leeds and you've started again. And so suddenly your purpose in life, you're not an events manager anymore. You're now this celebrity this influencer this person who's finding their life and needs it's all begun again it has I think you know for people that watch the show one of the things that you always have to remember I mean well me and all the cast had to remember is you know everyone's watching it as it's happening now but the reality is it was filmed a year ago it's been a long time since we've left the retreat and been able to sit and wait on all of this crazy stuff happening which I think for anyone's a little bit of a, it's it's a difficult thing to kind of go through to wait a whole year for something to go out in the open. It was definitely a bizarre and strange experience to have filmed something and to be told to go back to your normal life for a year. And then to just be told one day that actually in a month's time, it's all going to come out and things are going to change. So in that respect, it's a slightly weird one. I don't know how you feel about that, but it's a bit, it's a bit odd. Well, it must be because, you know, I get the email about October to say it's coming out in December and it's going to split up into two parts. First, look, five episodes come out one week, then the next week. And so I'm looking and going, your anxiety must go through the roof because suddenly <laughs> you have gone back to normal. You've had the bubble, the bubble's burst. Obviously, a show like Too Hot to Handle, you're from all around the world. And so, yes, you're in that bubble, but then you kind of go back to normal life and the show's kind of forgotten. And then suddenly it's right. 
I've dealt with everything emotionally. And I know, for example, me and Creed, it's done, it's in the past, I've moved on with my life. And now mm. suddenly it's all going to be brought up, but not only is it going to be brought up and spoken about, but everyone's going to have an opinion on it. And so suddenly yeah. you're going to mentally take me back to where I was a year ago and I've actually done all this self-development myself since. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's exactly right. I think it's not a normal situation to go through what was very similar to a breakup and then have to relive it again and watch it you know, no one watches themselves go through a breakup. No one sets up cameras and then plays it back a year later and goes, oh, that, I, I think that'd be a nice thing to watch back. You are right. I think the one thing that we're told to do is go back to life as normal. And, and the reason for that is, is because although other seasons have gone well, there's no guarantee that the season that you're on is going to flourish and do amazingly well. That anxiety is very real. You don't know whether or not it's going to be successful. You don't know whether or not you should be putting your energy into life as normal or you should be putting your energy into paving the way for a good social media platform for when the show airs, for everyone to watch it. It's, it's quite a stressful process and I'm that's completely honest. I think I definitely had my moments throughout the year where I was not okay at all. I was definitely stressed and worried and didn't know whether I'd done the right thing or but ultimately that's going to happen when you've got a year to think about it that's a really long time to think about what could be you know that something's coming and you just don't really know how it's going to go it was it was stressful ultimately when it did start coming out the stress turned into excitement and it's a stressful process I'm, I can't sugarcoat it and say that it was rainbows and butterflies and it was really easy because it, it really wasn't and actually Watching the show back was a, a lot more emotional than I ever thought it would be. I don't think for anything in particular, I think the feelings of kind of getting over it are definitely, were def I was definitely over it. Watching yourself cry on TV and get upset is like watching a close friend or a family member cry. It was really weird. So watching it back, I was like, I don't know why I'm getting so emotional at this because I'm actually fine. I think watching it back is definitely a, an experience. It's very interesting what you said there. There's a lot actually you said that was really interesting, but uh, something I really thought about was how you don't know how well the show's going to do. And so it is what you do in that year. And I remember X on the Beach a couple of years ago, um, Mike Thalassius from Love Island, who obviously sadly mm. passed away did that series. And that series never got shown. And I knew a lot of the people who had gone on that series and they were like, well, what do we do? You know, obviously they're not going to show it. They're not going to go on mm. X on the Beach again. And I think similar to Two Hot Handles that when you've got such a big year and we know how important it is to get into social media, but yeah. you're investing into your social media. So let's say you've deleted your profile, you've started it again. You still, still got to build up that following, but then no one knows who you are because the show's not gone out yet. And so there's a weird limbo yeah. where it's like you've spent a year working on this portfolio of TikTok and Instagram, and yet you're doing it to an audience that isn't actually there. Is that fair to say? Exactly. 100%. 100% because even though you can't predict it, the reality is on previous seasons of anyone on, on reality TV, I think mostly on dating shows, but anyone that's got a previous following, generally speaking, will get a larger following once the show's come out. And for me, I had 2,000 followers and I was what I like to call a keyboard warrior on TikTok. You know, I was the scroller. I never posted anything and I was freaking out about posting on TikTok. I was like, oh God. I do not know how to use this, but I want to use this. I need to figure it out. And some part of the year I was working, I went back to work, 
some part of the year I wasn't working because I was thinking I just need to grow this platform but at the same time you're like you don't don't throw everything away just in case it doesn't go well so it is yeah it's it's hard you're trying to toy with do I just invest everything I've got into getting the best outcome on the hope it goes well but at the risk it doesn't or do I just have a stable year work nine to five continue earning money and then just hope for the best when it comes out it's a really difficult place to be and I navigated it the best I could but you know a lot of the people from the show especially my season are models you know they've got their own businesses they're, they're financially established I was working nine to five I was like this is gonna be interesting but I made it work at the expense of a little bit of stress but I've definitely grown and it's I've developed a lot as a human being in the last year which I think is great because no one can prepare you for like you said everybody having an opinion on what you do what you say and how you come across so well I want to talk about the self-development you've done in a little bit but just one more question about the social media aspect is obviously mm. you know the show's going out as love it's not like Love Island which is as live and you know for example this year love island yeah. the january series that family members are not allowed to get on the accounts of the people they're dormant for whilst they're in the villa the show's yeah. going out of two hot handle on netflix it's available now obviously it's been out for a couple of weeks now but it's one of those shows that's not on linear tv and so people are going to start watching it when they finish their previous binge and so Yes, there will yeah. be people who watched the beginning of December, but there'll be people who listen to this podcast or who've gone, well, I've been watching loads of In Paradise or Mate for Love Island, then I'm going to watch To Watch Handle. And so suddenly, February time becomes their month of watching To Watch Handle. How do you mm. do the whole social media aspect of it when you're getting fresh comments every day of like, oh my God, I'm just watching on episode one. And you're like, well, number one, episode one went out a few months ago. Secondly, that's now a year <laughs> and a half ago since it came out. And then mentally, you're like, I'm just getting on with my life. I don't want to be dragged back into this through the comments. Mm. I think that's a very fair point. And I think that, like you said, you know, people are going to watch it at different times of the year. I think when Too Hot to Handle first came out, I didn't watch the first season of Too Hot, Too Hot until the second season came out. I was introduced to the second season. I don't even think I watched the first season. I, I don't even think I've even still watched the first season. So I think it's a very fair point. I think bringing it back to kind of having that year, although, it, you know, time has gone on and you don't necessarily want to go over it and go over it and go over it. I respect and am so grateful for the opportunity that I had that in this year, I've really kind of taught myself, right, okay, well, there, I, I've conditioned myself to that. Even in a year's time, people are going to be like, oh my God, Creed is this. What are you doing still being friends with this person? But actually the reality is time has gone on. We all have developed as people. But I think from a perspective of a viewer, I really do respect the fact that people watch it at different times. And if people are rooting for you and only just starting to watch it, it's a respect thing. Like I respect everybody that watches it and takes the time to come to my profile and comment. It's, it's helpful for me and it's I, I like seeing it. So I think it, it's a weird one, but ultimately that's just the way the cookie crumbles. People are going to watch it a year down the line and it's just something that's just the reality of how this show works and the platform it's on. Well, look, let's go back. We'll get to what to handle, but... I, what I want to do with you, Sophie, is because a lot of people won't know you. They won't know your background. They won't know 
why you are the way you are, why you have so in, much investment into the self-love yourself. So let's go back yeah. to Let's go back to yeah. those teenagers and those moments that made you who you were. So let's go to the school. What were you like in school? Where were you in the hierarchy? Because everyone would think, if you're on too hot to handle, you must be the populist girl of the year, top of the year, you had all the guys chasing you because that's what leads <laughs> you to being a TV star that you are. I definitely wouldn't say I was the most popular in the school. I think I have always been a people person. So I take pride in the fact that I can get on with basically everybody. I was a part of a larger friendship group in the school. There was a massive group of girls. And I always found that even though there was a massive group of girls, I always found that naturally I would always have a few really close friends and I've carried that throughout my life and I value that a lot like I can count my best friends on one hand and you know they're people that I will trust and they're there for me no matter what and so I'm very happy with that but you know I, I grew up working in customer service because I love working with people you know, I always got great tips as a waitress because everyone was like, she's so friendly. And I just like talking. So I didn't have a problem with friends and things like that. You know, in school, I struggled a lot. I really struggled. I had, I have dyslexia, struggled a lot in school. Education was not my forte at all. When we talk about completely flunking your GCSEs, oh my days, I absolutely flunked them. And you know what? It wasn't even a case of I couldn't be bothered or anything like that. I just did not know how to study for exams. I found it so challenging. I would be that girl that would write all my notes down. I'd highlight everything. I'd sit there and I'd do the work, but I just never absorbed any information. So I, I, I really did struggle when it came to exams. So after school, I went to college, had to do BTECs. So I was behind all my friends. They were all studying you know, the A-levels of choice, I was doing BTEC English, BTEC Math, I was doing the whole thing. And I found that really hard. Like I, I was kept behind from all of my friends and progression. And ultimately, I was just like, I am not doing this. Like, I'm just, this, this is not where I want to be. So I dropped out of college after a month. I think I was there for a month, which definitely is a little bit hasty. But I dropped out and I was like, I'm going to go work in the city and I'm going to go do events. So I got an event internship in London and I interned for free for an event management company called Global Fund for Children. And I did that for a year and it was incredible. It was all nonprofit charity work that we did, doing events for all of these nonprofits. And I really, really learned work ethic. I was able to work in the city, which you go from being a 16 year old at college that doesn't know what the hell's going on to being thrown into a city and you know this high-paced working environment so I did that for a year after that I just applied for as many event jobs as I possibly could and I secured a event management role at a school called Christ Hospital in Horsham which is this incredibly prestigious school but it's not a, it's not a private school in the sense that students pay it's all on bursary these are all children that are very talented and gifted kids that are sent to this school because they can't afford a private education but they're they're given the opportunity to go to this incredible school and do you know what's hilarious about it it was it went viral on tiktok a video of the uniforms because they all look like they're in cloaks from harry potter 
but the student absolutely loved it and it was an incredible place to work and I did that for two years and then COVID happened and then the events went they just you know completely disappeared at that point and that's kind of when I went back to the drawing board but in terms of like going from school and you know I really struggled like really really struggled to kind of trying to pave my own way in working environment which is so hard the amount of rejection I got you know you don't have a university degree you don't have you know events education you don't have anything like we're obviously not going to give you the equivalent of a post grad job when you've done a year's internship and you're what 17 years old and I was really lucky to get the job that I did because I was very very persistent so that's kind of where my school career and working career molded into into one it was an interesting journey not to mention the fact that so when I was first in school I dated around I think I I had my first boyfriend when I was 15 years old and then that lasted for the stereotypical six months and then I met someone and I was in a relationship for six years I was in a relationship from the age of 16 up until 2021 and I that relationship ended in April end of April beginning of May 2021 and then I filmed the show in November so I I wasn't single for very long okay so that's so the dyslexic label that you put on yourself and obviously you're diagnosed but how did that change it because obviously you've gone down that creative route with work but as your identity yourself the belonging that community mm. that you're part of how did that change for you I went to private school for a couple of years as a child and then I went to state high school, normal high school, from the age of like year six up until college. And the school that I went to had two different schools within it. One was a dyslexic school and one was just normal. So they, they had a school designed for children with dyslexia. And I remember at that point, so I must have been seven, six or seven. And at that point in time, my parents had no idea. No one had any idea that I had dyslexia. And I went to the normal school. I think there's normally an entry exam. I don't know if this, I can't really remember the story. I'm going to tell it as I know it. But as far as I was aware, there was an entry exam to get into the school, which is ridiculous because you're literally a seven-year-old. And I, for some reason, didn't do the exam, but was able to go to the school anyway. I'm sure my parents could tell the story a lot better. And once I was at the school, they realized how dyslexic I was and I think the head teacher specifically said to my parents we will never let a student in again without doing the test because I was so dyslexic I couldn't spell my writing was absolutely ridiculous so I remember my parents taking me to this kind of chest center for dyslexic people I think I even had to run on a treadmill I have no idea I was so little at the time and they came back and said I was very dyslexic so once I went back to school I started getting help from this dyslexic school once I kind of got into secondary and left private I didn't really get as much help I think I was a little bit embarrassed to be honest when you're in exam hall and you've got a teacher sat next to you guiding you through the paper and there's 200 other students doing it normally there's a sense of embarrassment there so I think I I probably was a little bit too proud. I'm a very different person to who I was in school, but I just wasn't really willing to accept the help as much as, you know, in hindsight, I look back and just think, well, why didn't I just get the help? You know, I'm a very different learner. So for me, if, if I'm learning something, 
I need someone to talk to me, but for example, putting it into a song or to learn something and remember it, I had to make a rhyme or something like that. It wasn't just going to stick in my head. And now I'm older, I understand how I learn. But at the time, I just didn't. And it's it's really why I failed all my exams, to be honest. And I look back and just think, I wish I could have just shaped her. What on earth were you thinking? Because I know now, having developed more, that I'm so much more capable of what I delivered in school. And who knows what route I would have gone down. I think in hindsight, I'd have loved to gone, gone to uni. I would have absolutely have loved to go and get that life experience, even if it wasn't necessarily a degree I pursued in the long term. I think university is an experience that, you know, a lot of my friends will cherish for their whole life. But for me, it was like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't want to learn anything else. But, you know, dyslexia was tough. And it still is tough in many ways, but I've learned to navigate it. And I feel that I'm a lot better now. Someone's looking over me and I'm trying to type, then I'll spell everything wrong. I feel like, you know, I've kind of navigated it now. So what are your tips? So for those who are listening who have got dyslexia, and obviously social media is so apparent in your life and everyone's life now, what are mm. your tips for filming those TikToks and doing those captions and the Instagram captions to make sure that, yeah, there might be a couple of spelling mistakes, but just being like, this is the way I, I use my coping mechanisms? So for me, you know, I just, I'm not embarrassed. I'm not afraid to ask people. Sometimes I forget how to spell the most basic words and it's really ridiculous, but it's just my brain playing tricks on me. And, you know, I am always one, if you go on my safari history, you'll just see words because I just type in the word quickly to just double check that it's correct. Just always double check. And if anyone calls you out for it online, excuse me, who cares? Like who cares? One of the things that this whole experience has taught me is to just not care what people say about you. You know, you are who you are. Your friends and family love you. If you spell something wrong online and someone calls you out for it and calls you names for being an absolute fuddy-duddy in that moment, then just, you know, embrace it. Embrace who you are. I've embraced who I am. If you go through scrolling through my Instagram and TikTok, I'm sure you'll find some spelling mistakes there. But it is what it is. I'm not going to... I'm not going to change who I am. There are definitely going to be some there. <laughs> uh, Robbie Williams uh, suggested that his daughter lost friends when she was diagnosed with dyslexia. Did you have a similar experience or were your friends very much, look, we support you. We know you're, it's, it's a brain thing. It's not you as a person. Well, it's funny you say that because I didn't, I wouldn't say I lost friends over it, but there were times in lessons where, for example, so for me, let's let's use creative writing for an example in English I would just write and write and write and write and write the creative part of my brain was working at a hundred miles per hour but you know punctuation spelling all of that stuff was shot I would never finish it finish anything on time because I would over explain everything that I was writing and I tend to if everyone had finished and the teacher was like Sophia are you going to be done yet I would say things like Miss, I've got dyslexia, can I just... I said it a couple of times and I, I vaguely remember my friend saying, oh, there she goes again with the excuse. And I remember that because I don't think people took me seriously and I think that's because I was a bit of a class clown. I was kind of trying to make everyone laugh and all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't say I was a naughty kid at all. Like, I wasn't naughty, but I was very silly. Reflecting away from the academia side because obviously yes. you, your academics you showed off that side 
yeah exactly so when it did come to a point where I was actually like no no no, I actually am dyslexic no one took that seriously in terms of my friends they would always go oh she's she's fibbing again she's just joking again which I don't think it massively affected me but it made me if anything it's just made me realize that I was just not I was not really self-aware and I just I could have really gotten the help, but half the time I was deflecting and I was like, no, no, I don't need that. But then when I actually did need it in the moment, everyone was like, well, you don't need that because you don't have it the rest of the time. So it's a tough one, but I think just owning it is something I wish I'd done. Well, look, you've, you've owned it now and I'm so thankful to you for opening up the conversation and because you're going to definitely help people listening to this. There'll be someone listening who'll go, that is me. And now I understand why I became the flask. And now I know why I Googled all the words. And it's not just me who has a history of words. No. I really appreciate you talking about that so openly. Well, do you know what? It's one of those things I think people, I went and I ended up working at an amazing school. And I don't think people would have necessarily thought, I don't think I would have thought I could have done that until I did it. But actually, dyslexia is not anything to hold you back and nine times out of ten if you're dyslexic you're a far more creative person and people think that if you pass the exams that are creative for example I passed forming arts are all of the creative things I passed with flying colors no problem and I think people just don't think that you're like you've not done well you know for some reason but own your creativity I'm way too creative for my own good so. oh look let's talk happier things <laughs> happier sad <laughs> so let's move the time forward. November 2021 obviously you applied to get on this show called Wild Love let's go back one little step though how did the application come across for you to get onto a TV show so I was contacted via Instagram which is very weird I had no I have no idea how they found me to this day and so I think I had something like 2,300 followers on Instagram I was posting a lot though I'd recently become single so I was like hammering Instagram I was just on it all the time and someone messaged me and said oh we think you'd be great for this new dating show called Wild Love blah 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 and I was just like this looks like a scam. The person who contacted me, the Instagram account, I think they had a thousand followers and it was all screen grabs of who wants to be a millionaire. And it did not look like a legitimate Instagram page at all. It looked like a scam. The only reason why I started or I responded to the message was. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Because that Instagram account was following a couple of reality stars. So I was like, okay, that must that must be a legitimate page if they're following or that also I thought so anyway I responded to the message and we set up a phone call where asked me a bit about myself I kind of was my true authentic self asked me about my dating history gave them the whole backlog on that which was super entertaining for them and just things like that they got a bit of a feel for my personality then we had a zoom call then before I knew it we had a casting in London And the whole time it was wild love, wild love, wild love. We had no idea that it was Netflix. Like we actually didn't really know a lot. So it says a lot about us going on and just being like, yeah, I'll do that. We didn't really know that much. Did they not ask you loads of questions about sex for you to go, oh, what show is this? If this is about winning money, what sex what's to do with it? If that means sex and money, that must be too hot to handle because it's that time of year or you didn't think it's November, it's that time of year they'd be filming it? Well, first of all, I had no idea that they filmed it a year in advance. So that that wouldn't have even crossed my mind anyway. But they, it wasn't all driven around sex. It really wasn't. It was more driven around like dating history. Like what what kind of relationship do you want? Do you want a relationship? Are you keen for one? I was like, absolutely not I do not want a relationship like I just want to have fun you know so I truly believe that they hired people to set out a plan of action from day dot because I truly had no idea I think when you say dating shows I'm thinking oh like what could it be but the whole premise of wild love was this adrenaline being in these high intense situations with someone to unlock deeper feelings which sounds kind of weird now but at the time I was like oh that could be cool and I spoke a lot about my experience with like I'm an adrenaline junkie I snowboard I'm big into like skydiving I did motocross as a kid I've been done horse riding you know so I've always done like these kind of more extreme sports and that was spoken about quite heavily throughout the process of you know interviewing if you'd like to call it that for the show that was kind of what I thought it was when we were sent to Turks I was like oh what that like what could be filmed in Turk I feel like everyone wants me to go oh yeah I knew I knew what show it was but I actually didn't and also once we were there any thoughts of it being any show completely went out the window because 100 million percent thought it was this bizarre show called Wild Love when Mario Lopez came out I was like okay it's definitely this so 
yeah, it's, it's a weird mind game that you go through, but at no point did I really think it was anything else. I think you must be the only person who didn't realise it. It was someone, it was another show. I was listening to um, a podcast with Kayla said she was approached to go next to the beach and it was like, well, they're filming at the same time, so either you're going to go next on the beach or this massive show for Netflix, what are you going to do? And she was like, oh, it must be too hot to handle. And therefore, oh, really? apparently knew that it was too hot to handle, but kind of played it down. So you must be the only person. Maybe it's a British thing. Maybe it's the English. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it is. I mean, the producers that we were talking to before even getting on the show were very good at tricking me. Also, you know, like there was, they are, there's no budging them. Like they're not going to tell you what it is. Like they might as well be actors themselves. They probably are, and we don't know about it. But no, I remember when we first got in, there was a couple people that kind of thought, like mentioned too hot to handle and I was like it isn't no it's not it is like I was so naive and I think my reaction when Lana popped out of the sunroof really did sell it because I was so upset like I went this is so ridiculous but I went so what we call so when the camera is on you and only you and you're kind of in that small little room like talking about your feelings so we call that confessionals so like you're going into confessional feelings or whatever in confessionals so all of us after that, we all got kind of separated and we went and did our confessionals. I was so upset, like genuinely upset that it was a show, not for the stereotypical reason of, oh, we can't be sexual for however many weeks. Like truly, I wasn't really that bothered about that. For me, why I was emotional and why I was so shocked was because I was just not ready to be in a serious relationship at all. Like my six year relationship was the most traumatic thing ever. And I finally got into a point where I was like actually really happy being by myself. I was comfortable in my own skin again, which took a really, really long time. And I was excited about being there and just being myself. But once it was revealed that it was too hot, I was like, okay, one, this, the whole premise of this show is about building deep, meaningful connections with people. And if I really want to get the most out of this experience, like ultimately that's what I'm going to have to try and do. And I just found the whole thing like really emotional because I just I didn't personally feel ready to do it it was almost like I was like forced into a situation where not forced that's probably the wrong word I was I was in a situation basically on the other side of the world in this incredible place being encouraged to make deeply meaningful like connections with people that I really just was not ready to make at all so I wasn't thrilled about it being too hot to be completely honest but that's the problem as well is that even though the rule is basically do not have sex and you can win $200,000. Realistically, and we know this as a viewer, it's overtly sexual because we know there's going to be rule breaks. And so suddenly there's almost a pressure on you as well that you are on TV. It is a TV mm. show for four weeks. You know what you're getting yourself into effectively. I know obviously the process yeah. to start that show is if you want that screen time and you want the social media followers, you're going to have to adapt your personality a little bit to be a bit a little bit more overtly sexual so that you get the screen time, subconsciously. Yeah. How did you deal with that whole pressure? Because obviously we, we saw that connection with you and Creed, but like you said, you've just come out of a relationship. This is on TV. This isn't yeah. a world you're used to. You've not got an influencer reality background like some other people do already, and mm. yet you're going straight into this. Was that connection with Creed real? And if it was real... How did you deal with that being on camera, being played out when also you're like, I don't want anyone at home when they know that it's coming out to judge me that I've moved on so quickly because that's not actually the yeah. point. Yeah. Well, I think 
so when everyone walked out and we kind of got the let's say the first day to kind of like really have an opinion on everyone because the one thing I will remember I do remember very vividly is my first impressions of everyone because you're literally in a situation where you're asked what your first impressions are of that person in detail so you kind of remember it and I remember seeing everyone for the first time and there was no one that I fancied at all I thought Nigel was very good looking and I actually remember standing there and being like wow this is a very good looking group of people like naturally good looking I don't feel like anyone was fake looking or anything like that everyone was very naturally beautiful guys and girls but there wasn't anyone there that I was like you're my type there's a sexual attraction there in some way so I basically kind of at the beginning was like oh this is just going to be a nightmare like there's no one here that I fancy and then As kind of time went on, I got chatting to Creed and we had a lot of similarities. So obviously not everything makes the edit. You know, there's times where we'll talk about what's your mum like? What what, do you have siblings? Like we have those conversations, obviously. And we just had a lot of common ground. He had just started developing a business. I had kind of started developing a business with my dad. You know, when you have conversations with people and you say something that you like and they're like, oh, me too. We just kept, it kept happening. And I was like, okay, this isn't necessarily a person that like sexually I would go for, let's say on a night out. But morally, I felt that morally we had a lot of common ground. And I was like, okay, actually, this is kind of different. This is different from what I'd normally go for. Let's go for it. So I kind of made the decision that he was the one I was going to be line for before the reveal happened. And then after the reveal happened of it being too hot, I was like, okay, well, I'm I'm not ready to like form anything, but like, let's just kind of go with it. And I did. And it, to be honest with you, like, even though, like you said, it might be in the back of your mind that, you know, this is a TV show, airtime, blah, blah, blah. Actually, I didn't really think about it at all. I kind of was like, right, I'm just going to throw everything into this and like see what happens. And I did obviously end up developing like real feelings. And I think him and I were getting to know each other. So we filmed for four weeks. I think the first set of grenades came in after like near the end of two weeks, I think, or maybe midway, halfway through. And then the second set of grenades came in like a week before we finished filming. So we had like two solid weeks to get to know one another. And obviously you're with each other constantly. Like that that time feels quite long, you know? And I felt that we had developed quite a strong connection with one another. Like he'd never had a relationship before. Obviously I'd had a long time one and he opened up to me about a lot of the things that, you know, like sensitive stuff which gave me the indication although that we weren't being like relatively affectionate with one another the stuff we were talking about gave me indication that like he trusts me and things like that and that we were moving forward in a progressive way that you're both from the opposite sides of the world and you're deep you're forming this deep connection you've been in a six-year relationship so you're only used to something really intense and yet when this show finishes the likelihood of it carrying on afterwards when you're getting so deep and he's never had a girlfriend is almost going to vanish yeah well it's funny you say that because I feel like I was blind to that and to him that was relevant because 
obviously once Flavia came in and he made the decision to get to know her I was very very shocked like I was I could not believe it I was like hang on what on earth is going on and I felt I just didn't know what was real at that point that's honestly how I felt I was like okay like surely based on everything that had happened and everything that we'd spoken about and like the connection we built I was like surely like this is set up like surely this is a joke that's genuinely what I thought and I felt and I don't even think this is his fault and I've, I even said this like afterwards I just was like at that point I was like okay what's real and what's not like is he being told to say something is he not and the reality is you're never told to say anything but I just I couldn't wrap my head around it I was like what is going on? And it wasn't because I didn't think he was capable of turning his eye to someone as beautiful as Flavia, because anyone is. I was just so confident in this connection that we built. And I was just so shocked about it. I was so shocked. So later on, we were able to have a conversation privately. And he, he pretty much was like, look, you know, the reality is, is that, like you said, he lives on one side of the world, I live on the other side of the world. And we, if anything, even though we've built like a potential relationship that could form, and I think in other circumstances, it probably would have worked. And I think we both agree that, but actually I think the reality is, is that we had built a friendship as well. I don't want to take his words, but the impression that I got was, you know, like we have built a good friendship. And the reality is, is like, this isn't going to work on the outside world. Like why ruin it? Why ruin what we've got as friends to like pursue something and then like just not be friends kind of thing. And I understand that. And like, ultimately after all of that happened, I just checked out like any single thought that anybody had of kind of being strategic or wanting airtime. I just didn't care. I was like, you know what? Like I'm not going to put myself in a position where I'm pretending to like people or pre- not like people, I liked everyone, but I'm not going to pretend to like be interested in someone in that way for the sake of this show. Like, I'm just not going to do it. Like, like I've taken this so hard and it's been such an emotional effect on me. I'm not going to pretend or force myself. Like, I checked out. I was like, I am not ready to be in a relationship. I'm just not. I just carried that through. And ultimately, that is like why I ended up leaving. And I was thrilled. I was so happy to leave. Not because it wasn't like the most incredible experience, because it was, but everybody else was in such a different place to me. Everyone was like, yeah, let's go on dates. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, let's do that. And I was like, oh my God, I can't deal with this. Like I found it really tough. Oh, I bet. But what we also got to see as a viewer, and I'm sure for you even more so, is the self-love you had for yourself and the fact that you realised, you know, know, the quote, independent female, but you didn't need to stay on a show just to be on a show and you didn't need to have a relationship just to have a relationship you know it's very easy we see it on love island that they'll just couple up with someone else we know there's no connection there but and they're doing it almost as friends yeah what i love too hot to handle is all about the workshops for me it's where i learned the most what did you take away from those workshops and how has it changed your life in the in the in the years since in the terms of how you're using it for yourself and for new relationships so for me you know the workshops the two that we did that I was there for was the painting workshop and the premise of that workshop was all about being close without being sexual even though it was somewhat of a sexual workshop the premise of it was like how are you going to use this paint are 
going to use it to be really sexual with one another or are you going to use it to kind of like work together as a team and obviously everyone kind of made it a little bit more sexual than they should have because it's like it was weird and funny but also at the same time I think taking away from that I learned okay there is a potential connection here with this person it opened my eyes up to the potential connection but then the next workshop that we did which was the punching bag one. I did that in a very raw state of emotion because the conversation that I'd had with Creed where he ended things did not happen that. It happened quite soon, like it happened in the same day. So I was very kind of, you know, emotional about that. And I think stood there and being in that situation and having to really think about things that I'd done in the past, I just let guys absolutely walk all over me. I have just done it. I did it for six years. That situation, I feel like I'd done it there. And I was like, I am just not letting this happen anymore. Like, like, period, this is just not going to happen anymore. Like, I am this strong person. And all my friends come to me for advice. I'm the stereotypical, classic example of I give the best advice and I just don't take any of it myself. And I was stood there and I was just like, how am I in this situation like how have I let this happen to me again like let's just not let this emotion take over the workshops really allowed me to kind of like rationalize my thoughts and my feelings and ultimately after that I was just like you know what if you don't want me if you don't want anything to do with me that is fine like we are cool I'm going to just enjoy this experience for what it is and that's that and you know I did that and I really I came out of it just feeling so much better about myself I came out of it feeling confident that I was not going to let anyone walk all over me ever again like ever again and I think in my head I've always like seen little red flags and there were things in Creed even when I was getting to know him that I was like oh that's a little bit of a red flag but like let's just carry on with it anyway I did that with my ex as well there was a gazillion red flags and I was like oh we'll just forget about those because I like him too much in like my dating life now you know Anytime I've seen a red flag, I've just gone, whoop, I've walked away from it completely. And, you know, in the last year, I, because I've done that, I ultimately have met someone that is like the best human being ever, treats me so well. And just, just as a common ground, it's just respect. I saw this amazing thing the other day, I don't know if it was on TikTok or Instagram, I think it might've been on one of the two. And there were two lists and one of the lists talked about toxic relationships and the other list talked about a balanced relationship and so each list it was in line with each other so it talked about a scenario for example the premise of you know being in an unhealthy relationship and the balance and how you know that it's toxic or it's healthy I looked at the healthy list and I just feel that I've got that now in my relationship like it's balanced there's respect we can talk about difficult things. We respect one another. We respect each other's lives. And I don't think I would have got there had I not learned to just turn away from the red flags. It doesn't matter how much you like someone. If you fancy them and they're just not showing the right indication that you should be with them, then just don't. 100%. And- Let's do a, a couple of quick questions for you because I know we're running out of time. Time's really short on us, if that's okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. really speedy answers. What is the biggest secret to the show? What's something that we don't realise that we need to know? I think what people may think is that, you know, well, it's just TV. I see a lot of comments on social media going, guys, these relationships aren't real. It's just TV, blah, 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 which is just absolutely insane to me because the whole time, even when you're off camera, which by the way, you're never off camera, but for example, when you're eating food, like that's not going to make the edit. 
like we already know that but the whole time it's this is a retreat it's not like this is a retreat when the cameras are on it's a retreat constantly like you're there from the minute you step foot in the villa to the minute you leave like you're in this experience you're being watched by Lana and all the relationships are real like they are genuinely real the feelings are real it's complicated and I think once people view it like that you have a completely different viewing experience because instead of watching it like this fake fabricated show like actually hang on a minute everything that's going on here is very real and I think people can forget that and how's the whatsapp group going now so a year later obviously there would have been a whatsapp group set up straight away yeah back to normal lives then the show then comes out being all worldwide and it's not like you're all in a bubble i know obviously you're going for example to dirty dancing next week i know everything yeah Um, (laughs) only with people like us i'll see you there um but uh, that's not gonna be all the too hot to handle people from around the world so how do you juggle that new world that you're in as a group or is it all split up already i would say it's semi-split up we all keep in contact you know we've got a group chat on Instagram, a group chat on WhatsApp, we've got a group chat on Snapchat. We all, one thing that I will say, which I don't think a lot of people can say about being in a cast, is we all got on very, very well and we're all friends. So I think that in itself has meant that we've kept in contact. It, it varies. There's times where there's a lot of communication and there's time where there's not. And also there's certain people within the group that you'll speak to more than others. I think when the show first came out, we were all talking a lot and it kind of died down a little bit because everyone is trying to navigate how they want to use their platform. You know, not everybody's going to use it in the same way. And everyone's working really hard to get the most out of this experience and kind of pave their way and try and build a career out of this. And that's what I'm doing, especially. So it is difficult, different time zones and things like that. But we all share a common ground of sharing this incredible experience with one another. And I think that will forever live on and we will always be friends in that respect. And anytime that one of us is in the other person's city or country, we'll do our very best to to meet up and to have a good old chimwag, like the Brits like to say. (laughs) Okay, final question for you, Sophie. Let's bring this conversation all together. How do you look at your mental health since the experience? You know, obviously, being in a, in a, you're in a new relationship now, which you've just mentioned, and yet your partner, who you don't want to disclose, which is absolutely fine, is having to watch this version of you. That there's some elements of you that you probably wouldn't yeah. want to give away so early on. How, how, yeah. When you look at the filming process, being on that TV show, the comments coming in now on social media, how are you mentally doing now? I'm doing a lot better now. I've always suffered with anxiety. I've gone through different points of my life where I've been super anxious and then not anxious. The couple of days before the show came out, my anxiety was ridiculous. I wasn't sleeping. It was a mixture of anxiety and stress and excitement. And it was a lot. I felt like, you know, when you're a kid and you've got, you're waking up on your birthday or something like that and you're super excited the night before, but also you're, it was just a, a mixture of anxiety. So it was a lot it's calmed down a lot like I'm not gonna sit here and say I don't get anxious and stressed like I do I'm a human being you know I get anxious I get stressed it's it's a lot navigating my relationship through this has been tough you know like we've said previously this happened a year ago for people for new people watching it now it doesn't really bother me that they're going to contact me and ask me questions about it even though it happened a year ago but for my relationship 
they're having to deal with people asking me if I'm still with someone else and me having to communicate with that person. And, you know, it's tough because they're watching a relationship of mine happen and unfold on the screen, which no one, how do you prepare someone for that? You just don't. But we have been super transparent, super honest. I've been super open about everything. You know, I'm not the type of person to hide behind any walls I've been very black and white about it and we've navigated through it and if anything we're stronger now and the reality is it's a stressful industry to now be a part of like you never have a steady income it fluctuates one minute you've got work here one minute you've got work here it's not a nine to five you're working 24 7 but I'm extremely grateful and happy and I am all about manifestation and gratitude and all that stuff and I know that however it ends up being and however it ends up playing out is going to be exactly the right thing for me so I think that in itself is just are you having therapy then to go through those anxiety and stress because obviously like I don't know how it works in Tottenham but with Love Island you get eight sessions you have to go to once you come out of Love Island how does it work with the therapy side for you so we have a therapist for the show and we've had different calls and things like that and whenever we need her we can have her I personally haven't used her as much as some others but I love therapy I went to therapy as a teenager throughout my parents divorce and things like that and I think it's the best thing ever so I've had different sessions and stuff like that and I think I think the one thing that I've made sure that I've done throughout the whole process to keep my mental health in check is self-love getting enough sleep eating well drinking loads of water you know being positive having exercise and just remembering that like no matter what happens no matter whether you do very very well or it's an absolute flop there are your family and friends around you that absolutely love you and support you and just be grateful for the experience that you've had and no matter what happens is what is meant to happen and that's truly what's guided me and kept me through Sophie Stonehouse, thank you so much for talking to me on Security and Secure. You can go and watch Too Hot to Handle on Netflix now. And if you enjoyed this episode of Security and Secure, please do go and rate the podcast, like it, share it with your friends, tag it on social media, tag Sophie, tag me, tag Security and Secure podcast, actually see where you can find me. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.